This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I hope everyone's doing well, staying safe and healthy. Um, A lot of stuff going on in the world, but when we come here, we're going to escape for just a little bit. So that's why I bring on amazing authors. Um, And a side note, it is National Sugar Cookie Day. So if you really like sugar cookies, grab some with your favorite beverage, whatever that might be, and grab a fabulous book by Nan Reinhart. She is the USA best-selling author of sweet and sexy romance novels for older women. Writing is her first and most enduring passion, and she wrote her first romance novel at the age of 10. It involved a love story between the most sophisticated girl she knew at the time, which was her older sister who was in high school, and a member of Herman's Hermits. And if you know who the Herman's Hermits are, you are in good company because there's a lot of us, and we are all fabulous, and we all still love romance um i'm still she's still writing um but the time the viewpoint is on a wiser slightly rumpled menopausal woman instead of a starry eyed preteen uh she's completed nine novels with her newest series the four irish brothers winery from tule publishing um the most recent book the baby contract will come out next week on the 16th so hit your pre-orders now and you can find her on her website facebook twitter and instagram welcome to the show nan reinhardt how are you today my dear i'm good patricia thanks for having me today So let's go back to that very first romance you ever wrote. How long, I mean, how long did it take you to write it, and how long was it? Uh, We're not talking about the one I wrote when I was 10, right? We're talking about since I've been an adult? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. No, I I think, yeah. Either one, either one. We got time to talk about both. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. We don't really want to go back to the Herman's Hermits. Um, Sounds fair. uh, The very first romance novel I wrote was not actually the very first one that was published. Um, okay. The very first one I wrote was um, Once More from the Top. It was the first book in my Women of Willow Bay series. And okay. um, it got me uh, an agent in New York. And um, she was just wonderful. She, she worked so hard to sell the book. The problem at that time, which that was about 2009 or so, and that was before seasoned romance was even a thing. And um, she tried so hard to sell that book, and we got so many great comments about the voice, my voice and the writing and how much the editors loved it, but they all said we can't sell a heroine who's 40, and we can't wow. sell a kid who's 15. In that book, the, the heroine has a son who's 15. And sure. they said we just can't do it. We can sell babies, we can sell younger people, but we can't sell that age group. So um, finally, we I... Just kind of gave it up, and um, I, at that point in time, I was uh, had become friends with Lonnie Diane Rich, who is a wonderful author, and mm-hmm. um, she was at that time also doing book production, and so she helped me put that book up as an indie, and okay. it had pretty good success. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much that was pretty much the first book i wrote the very first one i was that was ever published was a book called rule number 1 it was published in 2012 with uh bookstand and it's still out there but and okay. it, but it isn't a, a seasoned romance the the heroine i think she's 30 so mm-hmm. anyway that was that was the first one um the the book once more from the top was 
it meant so much to me because at the the hero, all my heroes are kind of beta guys. I don't do alphas yeah. very well because I don't I don't know any alphas to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> my husband's kind of a beta guy. My kid's a beta guy. I'm just kind of I kind of go for betas. Um, and the fat hero Liam is a symphony conductor, which was what okay. my agent, which which was what made my agent fall in love with it. Um, because she had never read a book about a, a romance about a symphony conductor before. So I've had a lot of fun sure. with that book. And it takes place up in Michigan, which is my favorite place in the whole wide world. And it, I ended up with uh, three more books in that series that all take place in this mm-hmm. little town. So I kind of got into the small town romance thing with those. Right. And I love that you really wanted that voice to be out there because I think so often we – forget, you know, life doesn't stop at 35. Life doesn't stop at 38. I mean, 40 is a great age. And, you know, we could talk about the benefits of it. And of course, there's also, you know, not great things about it. But I mean, it's, it's an age some people never get. So I think that, yeah, talking about how different you see the world at 40 um, versus 25 um, it's, it's like, it can be a whole 180. Um, and I, I really kind of love seeing that transition with, um, with authors and, and your women of Willow Bay, that's that whole series that you're talking about, that, of the season, what you're, you're calling seasoned romance. And, and so as you've written more, um, you know, your tagline there is love never ages and, so as, you, as you've written more of these books, what has been the response from writers? I mean, from readers. Um, I, was, I have just been delighted that readers have really loved The Women of Willow Bay. And um, most, a lot of my readers are, you know, well over 40. And I get a lot of reader mail saying, gosh, thank you so much for writing heroines mm-hmm. who are our age and who, who come from a, a place of experience in life all four of those books are second chances. And mm-hmm. um, the oldest the oldest heroine is 52, and she's about to become a grandmother. And, yeah. you know, people think that when you get to be a certain age, romance isn't, isn't really in your life. And, you know, I've, I've been married for 47 years, and I can testify that romance is still in my life. And um, right. I know a lot of people who've, who've had second and, you know, even third chances at romance and, you know, starting again. And it, you know... We all we all want to be in love, you know, and it doesn't matter how old we are. Yeah. Oh, of course. What has been the biggest surprise from readers or reader feedback you've had with the Women of Willow Bay series? Um, probably that they liked the sex, which um, in my the books I've written since I finished the Women of Willow Bay series are sweet. They don't have sex in them. Okay. That was, and that was kind of the hardest thing to write, just because I'm, it's, you know, it, it's not something that I knew how to write beforehand. I just had to kind of fly by the seat of my pants and, um, <laughs> you know, go with, go with what I knew. What can I say? Um, right. But yeah. I was surprised at how many people said, wow, you, you really captured the sensuality as opposed mm-hmm. to, not, they're not graphically sexy. They're more sensual sexy. And, uh, I was I was kind of surprised at how many people you know say to me, "Wow, I really love that about those books," and yet the same readers come back and say how much they love the Four Irish Brothers Winery books, which have no sex in them at all. So 
So right. I think, but but they do have kind of a kind of a sensual, uh, a sensuality about them. And so I think you know the fact that I can bring that to my readers and they appreciate it, whether it's done. I don't want to say graphically, but you know, whether it's done with sex scenes or without them, that they still mm-hmm. they still get that. So right. that's that's right. kind of a cool thing, I think. Well, and it's interesting too, and and you and I have both heard people have conversations about this and and commentary, but you know, romance books are not people aren't just reading it for the for the sex scenes. You know, they're reading it no. for the journey and the sensuality and the sexual tension. And so, like you're saying, you don't necessarily have to have it on the page. Um, you know, it's it's not just, you know, they go at it on the kitchen table and, and everyone, you know, you could have that scene and everyone's like, wait, what's going on? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Um, where if you build that sensuality, it, that's, the, that's what everybody wants. The reader wants that. Yes. Um, I think, and so true. it's. I think that's true. Yeah, and it's and it's very cool um, that that's the kind of feedback you're getting in both series that have mm-hmm. a little bit of a different, you know, open door versus you know closed door, you know, fade to black type scenes, um, and that's that's that says a lot when you can re- reach out to readers like that and give them that that full picture. Um, well, I think so that that's I very think that cool. A lot of of what um, what my appeal is to readers, and I'm, that sounds like such a weird thing to say, but I think that what appeals I know, to my yeah. readers <laughs> is, my, is, is the community that I build. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Willow Bay, there was a, a definite sense of small town and community. Um, it's an even greater sense of small town and community in, in the Four Irish Brothers books. Um, and, you know, with all this, I love creating secondary characters. I just have so much fun with that. And... Mm-hmm. In both books, although it's more, there's more of it in Four Irish Brothers, um, it's just been fun to, to build that sense of community. And I'm loving that with the Four Irish Brothers, readers are saying, we hate that this is the fourth book and, uh, you know, we want more. And as it happens, they're going to get more. So it's kind of cool that I get to continue yeah. writing more stories in this little town that the Four Irish Brothers winery is in. So. Right. I'm really well, excited okay, so about you that. Have... That's a little announcement, by the way. Ooh, exciting. Um, so when you have the, um, the the small town of Michigan for the Willow Bay series, mm-hmm. but then, then you have the four Irish brothers, and they're in Ohio, right? No, they're or in no, southern in Indiana. Indiana. So they're on in Indiana, the Ohio right. River. Right. Yeah. So tell me why these different spots are these things places that you've been and loved family from there what what inspires you to put them there well as it happens the michigan one I, when i was a kid my mother would take us camping to michigan almost every weekend in the summer um okay she was we couldn't really afford fancy vacations but we had an old beat up camping trailer and she would take me and my sisters and brother and we'd go up and camp in places like muskegon and um I don't know, Ludington and Grand Haven and places like that. And at least once a summer, we would go up to up to the Frankfurt, Michigan area, which is just a little south of Traverse City. And there's a lake there called Crystal Lake, and there's a Christian camp there that we would go and participate in. And um, I just fell in love with that area. And so when my husband and I got married, we went up to Michigan on our honeymoon, and I just, you know, I was so excited to show him everywhere and see everything that I did as a kid. And um, when I wanted to write a story about this conductor who was in my head, 
Interlochen mm-hmm. Music Camp, which is up in that area, um, just felt like a natural fit for him and for, for their story. And so I made Frankfurt Willow Bay. <laughs> it's the inspiration for Willow Bay, Frankfurt, Michigan. Yeah. And um, I went up there several times to do research and to walk the beach and be inspired. And um, I just, I fell in love with Michigan all over again. I would, Michigan is, is my hometown, you know. I just love Michigan. Yeah. Um, although I've never lived in Michigan. I've always lived in Indiana. <laughs> but I just love Michigan. But when it came time to write um, the Four Irish Brothers Winery, uh, my husband and I are big winery fans, and uh-huh. there are a lot of great wineries in Indiana. And um, I just thought, wouldn't it be fun to to write about a winery in Indiana as opposed to a winery in California or, you know, on the West Coast, which is where most of most of stories that happen about wineries happen. Sure. So, um, there's, there are several really great wineries in Indiana, and I have a friend who owns a winery here, and so she's been a great resource. And um, there's a little town down on the Ohio River in Indiana called Madison, and um, it was sort of the inspiration for River's Edge. And it was just, you know, another small town thing in another place mm-hmm. I knew and loved. So, Yeah. Well, I, so I have to ask you, when you guys went up in the summer for Michigan, did you um, – when do they pick the blueberries? That's in the summertime, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blueberries are usually in July, I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Blueberries and raspberries and probably in, in the hot months of July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a really and wonderful fruit stand on the way to Grand Haven that we stopped at every year and got uh-huh. cherries and peaches and all kinds of wonderful things and blueberries. Um, and I hadn't been to Michigan in a while, and a friend and I drove up for a riding vacation, and that little fruit stand is still there. Isn't that amazing? Wow. <laughs> I, you know, I ask because we have, I mean, I'm here in San Antonio, and so we have, um, we have blueberry plants and whiskey barrels. Um, so, you know, we're able to help with the soil and everything. We've got about, I don't know, six or eight. Um, and when it gets really cold here, cold for San Antonio, um, especially mm-hmm. if it snowed, and it snowed twice in the past six, seven years, we would get massive amounts of blueberries um, out of these plants. I think the best we got was four gallons one year. Wow. Um, yeah, it was huge. Um, but it, it's interesting because I mentioned it to some friends, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm from Michigan, or, you know, be at Wisconsin, and we, oh, we go get the blueberries, and they'd be as big as the end of your thumb, you know, and huge, and talk about going out and picking them and, you know, the juice being everywhere, but it was totally worth it. Um, so, I mean, it just, <laughs> so I think about oh, that, about like, get cold so we can have blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> blueberries, blueberry farms and, and just berry farms in general are as prolific in Michigan as vineyards are in California. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. You drive down the highway and there's just row after row after row of berry bushes. And it's interesting because a lot of people are like, they grow in cold climates. It's like, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they really love it. In fact, it was very interesting because, um, you know, we were teaching our kids both Spanish and English. And, uh, you know, you have the the thing for apple and banana and all this stuff from Spanish. And we got to blueberry and I couldn't find it. And a lot of, you know, central Mexico, you know, into Mexico and Central America, they don't grow them because it's too hot. 
Um, and then we'd get the fruit um, in different times of year, from, let's say from Chile, and it would say blueberries. We're like, oh, yay. But it would be in French. Say bluettes. <laughs> and we're like, wait, what are blueberries? <laughs> so I was going to the grocery store, and, you know, uh, our local grocery store, and uh, there was several people I talked to, and I'd say, I'd ask, you know, do you speak Spanish? They'd say yes. It's like, what's blueberry in Spanish? And they'd stand there and look at me and go, I don't know. You know, it's so. Um, a friend of mine was saying, you're going to make a whole Spanish-speaking population of San Antonio insane because everyone's <laughs> trying to remember how to, you know. So it was funny because finally one of the cashiers actually had written it down to save it for me, to give it to me, because uh, she'd called oh, her family cool. down and, yeah, you know, so it was like, oh, okay. And now, of course, I'm telling this story and I can't remember what it is. But um, it's it's just one of those things that you assume that, well, everybody's got a name for this this fruit, right? Or this sure. this whatever, and nope. <laughs> yeah. But they That's grow stuff there that we can't funny. grow in, you know, can't grow in Michigan. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so that's what's so cool about your story is because you pull in these wonderfully regional layers of whether it be, you know, the, the weather or the, the appearance, you know, the lake or um, the food and, and now the wine. So you're bringing all that in. So it, it just really makes this really lovely layers of the story. Thank you. Um, so tell me, you started writing this series for the Irish Brothers. Tell me about mm-hmm. this one that's coming out next week on the 16th, The Baby Contract. The Baby Contract is the fourth brother. Um, the other three have all had their little happily ever afters, and mm-hmm. it was his turn. Um, it, I thought he was going to be the hardest one to write um, because okay. he's a little different, a little quirky, and yet his story was just so incredibly fun to write because I confess to you, there's a lot of my son and husband in, in this character. Um, <laughs> he's an engineer who became an analyst. My son is an engineer who became an analyst. And uh-huh. um, just this, you know, this kind of very literal uh, nature. And, but also just the biggest, kindest heart and, Brendan always wants to fix everything for everybody. You know, he, he mm-hmm. believes he can do that. And most of the time he can. And so that's how the premise of him fixing this problem that his friend Tierney was having of, you know, she wanted a baby, but she wasn't with anyone. She's 34. Her biological clock is ticking. And sure. he's not with anyone either. And he's always looked after her. Um, her big brother was his best friend. And his, her big brother, Mike, was killed in in um, Iraq and so okay. he's kind of looked after her since since that and kind of been like a big brother to her um, and so this is just you know like one more thing he thinks he can fix for her well yeah sure let's do that uh, you know you don't have to go pay a sperm bank for this I'll help you get pregnant and, sure. but when he says it very analytical he, very you know problem solution problem solution yes right. exactly exactly <laughs> but his solution comes from his family life, which is, we'll just get married and have a baby. And mm-hmm. her solution was, I want you to go, you know, I, I, all I need are your, are your little swimmers. That's all I need. Are your swimmers, yeah. Just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm horrified, <laughs> you know. So that's how the baby contract comes about, that they, they create a contract between the two of them, that they're going to give this a shot. She's going to do it his way and try it. Mm-hmm. But they're both free to, to get out of it if, if one of them falls in love with someone else or it just isn't working or whatever, and then they'll just get a divorce and be like divorced parents and it'll all be fine. 
Yeah. But they yeah. don't anticipate that they're going to fall in love. So Right. The heart always gets in the way. It makes things messy, you know? It, it does. does. It really does. Yes, it Good does. Good for us, though. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he's just, um, he's just such a fun character to write, and the story was so much fun to write. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the brothers, there's a lot of interaction between the four brothers, which has been which has kind of been the, the theme throughout the entire series is this relationship between the four brothers and how they all come back home to try to make this winery that the four of them have inherited from their father a success. So. Yeah. And I think having the sibling back and forth, um, it really brings in a level of a lot of us have, you know, we have siblings, whether they're mm-hmm. our actual, you know, siblings, they're, are there our friends are like siblings or cousins, um, you know, that family element, um, I think yeah. that really makes it a lot of fun. So, I think it does too. And yeah. I've had people say, you know, we, we love the, the back and forth between the brothers. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's a lot of that's right from my own life because I have, I have, I had two sisters, one of them has passed away, but um, I had, and a brother and we were always, you know, driving each other crazy and, you know, but keeping tabs on each other and being there for each right. other. And so that's, you know, that whole family thing was. Do you bring really in important. conversations that you had with your siblings or do you, like when you're writing somewhere, do you bring that in? Like you're hearing somebody talk about it or, or just take notes. How do you kind of collect little scenes or moments or, or things for your stories or is it just well, very organic? Um, I think it's more organic. Um mm-hmm. A lot of times just the, the um, how do I want to say this, the feeling between them mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. comes out, at, not exact word-for-word conversations, but, you know, like there's a, there's a scene in The Baby Contract where the brother, three of the brothers are trying to work on something in the winery, and Brendan comes in and just rolls his eyes because what they're doing is stupid. And he's <laughs> like, I cannot believe. And he, he calls them Mo Curly and Larry, which is something my sister would totally do to us, you know. She would totally... <laughs> say something like that so you know that kind of that kind of um, interchange between the or exchange between the brothers is really kind of from my own life because we all gave each other a hard time and you know my sister my oldest sister would always just roll her eyes at the rest of us like we were idiots and so you know (laughs) but she loved us and she'd do anything to take care of us so it all worked out right Right. It's always like I, you know, we might be fighting right now or not getting along or joking with each other, but we know we'd fight a bear for each other. Yeah. It's that kind of exactly. uh, yep. bond. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then you told us just a little bit ago that you've got more books coming from this series. Yes. Well, not actually from this series, um, but okay. I, but Chuli uh, asked me if I would like to write another series. And of course, you know, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, we we talked yeah, about it for a little while. Yeah, who doesn't want to keep working for Jane Porter, right? I mean, oh yeah. My, she is so amazing. She's just <laughs> the most amazing person. I'm I'm so crazy about her. Anyway, um, so we had a long talk, um, my editor Sinclair and I, and um, I said, "What would you think about me staying in the same little town and just coming up with another family?" And she said, "Oh, I think that's wonderful." And mm-hmm. I just read a review of the baby contract this morning and the review made some mention of, Oh, we're going to miss this so much. And so I'm excited to say, you know, you're not going to miss them because the four brothers are going to be in the other series. You know, they're going to make a little appearance here and there. And, um, 
the first book I think is going to be out in February of 2022, and then the other two right after. It'll be three brothers this time, three first responders Mm -hmm. in the same family. And um, Mm -hmm. we have a a policeman and a firefighter and an emergency room doctor. So nice. And these guys, these guys grew up kind of hard, and so it's um, it's going to be fun. To, to write them. They grew up without a dad, and so did I, so I can kind of identify. Um, and their mom was just a hard-working nurse, as my mother was for a long time mm-hmm. before she went on further in her education. And so um, it's, there's a lot of, you know, my own background is going to come into this, into these these guys. So I'm sure. excited about writing sure. them. I'm, I'm already having a good time with the first one. So. Oh, I bet. And so we what will be, who's the first one? Edge. Um, the first one is um, Riker, and they're called, their last name is Lang. They're the Lang brothers. And um, okay. the first one is Riker, and he's the policeman. And I, I kind of, it's kind of the transition book because who he's going to be involved with is a cousin of the four Irish brothers um, who's come from okay, Ireland. Yeah. After, having a bro- after having her heart broken terribly in Ireland, she comes to help them as the marketing director for the winery because the winery has gotten to be such a big enterprise that they need to turn sure. some new people on. And so they, they brought their cousin Kathleen. That's my, my sister who passed away. Her name is Kathleen. So she's named oh. after my sister. Um, and, but they call her Kit. And, yes. she and she and Riker are the main characters. So, and she is, she is determined that she is not ever going to fall in love again because it's just too painful. And right. um, he's, kind of, he's kind of always been a playboy. And pretty much always had any woman he wanted. And so, you know, we'll see how they do. <laughs> right. I have a feeling that she's really going to make him work hard for it. She Rightly so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's going to make him work hard. But That's he is good. up to the challenge. So. It's it's fun it's to watch fun. that. It's it's as a as a writer. I know a lot of people, and they, they've asked you, I'm sure, over the years, is is well, how do you come up with these ideas, and how do you, you know, and oh, it's, yeah. it's really, I it, for me, and it's it's kind of like, well, you just kind of watch human nature because it's oh, well, look at that couple, or look at that guy. I wonder what he's doing, and and we would do that in the car with my kids. It's like, oh, look, that person's got a, that sticker on their, like Disney World sticker. When do you think they went to do you think Disney World or Disney You know, it's like you, you start to craft that idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of progresses. But it's fun, especially when the characters go, no, no, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> yes, that, you know, that's funny because that happened in the baby contract. I, it, it happens in every book, but it happens so big in the baby contract that I – I I always talk to my friend Liz Flaherty, who is another amazing author, by the way. If you haven't read Liz, I totally mm-hmm. recommend everything she's written. Um, and she and I talk every morning on on GChat. And one morning I sent her a note and I said, "You're not going to believe what Brendan just did." <laughs> and that it's so funny when that happens because you're like, "Wait a minute, that I did not plan that," but it turned yeah. out to be you know a really cool part of the story, and it was. It, it brought their HEA together really well. And so mm-hmm. I was excited about it. And, but it was so like, oh, my gosh, I never thought about, you know, it, they just they take off on their own. I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens yeah. to me. They just take off on their own. I'm like, okay, right, well, just, that's yeah. what you want to do. We'll go with it, see what happens. 
It um, is. It's really interesting because you're like, wait, um, oh, okay. And and I can only imagine, you know, if someone's watching me type while I'm creating the scene, the looks on my faces are like, wait, what? Oh, oh, okay. You know, and yeah, <laughs> like you're actually exactly. having a conversation yes. with someone. Yes. <laughs> and I am really and, bad about reading things out loud. Like I'll write something and then I'll read it out loud to myself because I need that's the edit. I'm an editor too. And the, the, the editor in me wants to hear that flow. You know, I want, I want yeah. to hear it flow. And so I have to read it out loud. And so I know my husband, he know he always knows when I'm writing because he hears me in here talking or sometimes I'll right. have the conversation before I write it. I've done that too. So Yes. Because you do, sometimes yeah. you'll leave little words out. It's like, Oh wait, I left this out. Or I mean, cause you assume yes. you've written it, but mm-hmm. yeah, to hear it out loud. I have a really good friend of mine. Um, she has dyslexia, and so she will write, and then she will have it read back to her because sometimes those little words will be missed or she reads it a certain way, but that's not how the structure of the sentence is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, reading out loud I think is a, is a great way to figure out if you've got all the everything in there. So, have, mm-hmm. so with the, the winery, I mean, you've always loved wine. Is, is, do you – Oh, yeah highlight a certain kind of wine in the series do they i mean are they going to expand the winery i mean what do you have planned for that end of it well um the winery has grown over the four books um Mm -hmm. because when at the in the very first book the father had been the winemaker and Mm -hmm. connor the son number two had been um kind of apprenticing under his father to learn how to make wine but his father died and Mm -hmm. um so he had to take over making wine his other brothers were gone they weren't there and um so these these this is i'm starting to sound like i don't know like i'm going off on a tangent but i'm not i promise um the official (laughs) wine the the official grape of indiana is tremonette it's a it's a white grape it makes a um kind of a rieslingy type mm-hmm. wine, um, mm-hmm. real crisp and, and very tasty, a little grapefruit aftertaste. Um, and there are wineries that make it sparkling. So it's, mm-hmm. that's really, that is yummy. Um, so I thought that the sparkling Tremonette would be a fun winery, wine for them to, to you know, to, 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 to make. And so they're making that one. Um, and I really, this, I really wanted Indiana wineries to be highlighted in these books because people think that, you know, there's only corn in Indiana and that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there mm-hmm. are, right. there's something like la- at last count, I want to say there were maybe close to 50 wineries in Indiana and mm-hmm. they all do a really good job. Now, granted there are grapes that won't gra- grow here that will grow in places like California or um, the Central Coast Valley, or in, um, or in Michigan, or not Michigan, in Oregon, or you know Washington, mm-hmm. and places like that. So a lot of winemakers in Indiana will import grapes from California to make things like Zinfandel and Pinot Noir and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the grapes they make from grapes that grow in Indiana, um, Cab Franc is one that they make in Indiana, um, and. They just they do a really excellent job, and um, so as I've as we've traveled around the state and met wineries, met winemakers, and you know gone to different wineries and tasted wines, 
I just thought it would be fun to bring that element of the state of Indiana to the rest of the, well, to the romance mm-hmm. world. I don't know about the rest of the world, but the romance world right. anyway. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, but a lot of what I know about wine, I learned in California. Um, in 2002, our, our son got married and moved to California. And so, you know, that meant a lot of trips to California. Right. And we went from being people who really knew nothing about wine at all to every trip we would go out, we'd go to a different winery and learn more about mm-hmm. wine. And we learned all about, you know, wine pairing and what wines are supposed to taste like. And, you know, we all have our own palate. And a, winer, a winemaker in California once said to me, if you like it, it's a good wine. Yeah, and exactly. So I've tried to maintain that that concept in these books um, and to make wine, I, I don't know, I think just more accessible because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people think if you're going to be, if you like wine, you're going to be a wine snob. And right. um, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm a wine snob or not. I know what I like and I like dry reds mostly, um, mm-hmm. but I'm open to anything because I just think wine is, I just think wine is wonderful. It's, it's, it's a wondrous product and, I love that I was able to bring that to to my books and yeah. share that, you know, because it's something that I love that we that both my husband and I and my son and my daughter-in-law we all just love wine and so it's kind of fun to bring that element of our lives into my stories. Yeah, there was a years ago my husband and I we were in Missouri and we were we didn't had we hadn't had children yet and we found this great little video called Wine for the Confused by John Cleese. Um, and oh. he talks about that and it's about he and his wife just take this, these different trips up the California coast and they just stop in these different wineries and it just basically came down to drink the wine you like. Nobody cares, mm-hmm. you know, um, yep. and just have fun with it. And that's the point of it all. Yes. Yes. We do have, to be we enjoyed. have so much fun with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a great time mm-hmm. with it. And you know, it's, it's just been fun. It's been a fun new addition to our family because, mm-hmm. you know, before our, our son went to California, we didn't know anything about wine. And it's just been really cool to learn and, as I said, to bring that into these books. So it's been, yeah. I just, you know, it's been fun. I really like it. Well, Texas has had a, a growing winery um, industry as well, and they're That's starting cool. to offer the viniculture degrees from a couple mm-hmm. of different, um, like A&M, I believe, has one, and Texas Tech. And then locally here, the uh, community college has started offering some classes and certifications. So it's it's interesting. Of course, a lot of the people around here, some will grow just the grapes, which is something I really didn't appreciate that some people just grow the grapes and they don't do the wine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then some people actually will come and take the, um, you know, the peel and all that stuff and then make uh, beauty products out of it, like venotherapy. So you'll make scrubs oh. and you'll make, you know, lotions and you'll make, it's just like, it. it's really interesting how basically the whole fruit is used. Like everything about it is used. Uh, so it's just very, it's, it's a very cool fruit because it just comes in all these that flavors. It is. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. We, were, we went on a cruise a few years ago, and they did a, it was a, a wine and chocolate tasting. And oh, it how turned wonderful. Out to be, 
Oh, and it was, and, you know, you're, it was sea day, so, you know, no one's going to shore. So um, we were on there, and it was, um, they had all these different chocolates, and then it had all these different alcohols. And so you had white chocolate and dark chocolate, and you had a mix, and you had milk chocolate. Then you also had, like, this paste, chocolate paste, and you had these crackers. And, you had, and so we tried all these different wines, and then champagne, and then whiskey, um, and it was just, it was amazing. And they had cheese. So it was like, okay, don't drink it. Now sit there for a second and bite the cheese. Now drink it. You know, it was just like the layering. Mm-hmm. It, it was its own, I mean, own class on how to layer that the flavors. Is, that is so yeah. fun. In, um, in the back of Meant to Be, the second book in the series, mm-hmm. I have a little, a little pretend trip down to the, you know, down to the winery because Mm-hmm. You know, you write about these places, and then you think, wow, I'd really love to go there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I did. And um, Mac, who is the French-trained chef who has the diner mm-hmm. in town, and, yeah. the, and the brothers all sat down together with me, and we did a wine and food pairing and tasting. And it was so much fun to, to create these, to have Mac, the chef, create these dishes uh-huh. to go with these wines. And um, I just had the best time with that. And I wrote it. I wasn't sure if they would want to use it or not in the book. But I thought, you know, it's fun. I'll, I'll give it a shot. So it's like a little bonus thing in the back of the book. And yeah. um, they, loved, they loved it. They had such a good time with it. And so I thought, oh, what a treat. So that was kind of a fun thing to add to, to one of the books was to talk about wine and food pairings. So, so will Mac have his own um his own spinoff and some recipes and such. Will he be throwing stuff out? <laughs> well, there was, there is a recipe on my website that that's for Max um, salmon rillette, which they use right. in, um, in meant to be for, for Sam and Connor's wedding. Um, right. You know, Sam's mom is, is involved with Mac now. And okay. I had thought seriously that, you know, that would be a great seasoned romance. However, their story is just there and it, there's really nothing more to say except that Mac and Carly are an item, you know, and so mm-hmm. they're an item in every book and they're an item in this, this new book in the new series that I'm writing, Mac and Carly are there and they're involved with each other. So I, their story's just kind of coming along in everybody else's book. And you, know, you should cool do too. a little, yeah. What if you did a little novelette, like talking about them planning their wedding and then they don't agree on what to have at the reception and what to serve and then there's a falling out and then they get back together again and like do the you know the whole little novelette like oh, that would be you know fun. crisis thing yeah it would be that's a little you should a little bonus christmas book or something yeah that would be i fun. know yeah you could think about all the layering you could do like all the, the food and the wine and, and all the taste testing it'd be so much fun yeah you are <laughs> such a writer oh my stars it's incredible. Because we all do what that. Did, you know, Liz and I do that to each other all the time. We'll go, hey, what if you did this? Or she'll say to me, how about this? Yeah, uh, so I like, know. Okay, uh, we've got, you know, yeah, there's, there's, you know, a little group of us that talk almost every day, just kind of, you know, throw stuff out like, how's everybody? And then, you know, if somebody throws something down that's crazy in the news or, or you know, just something crazy that happened in their neighborhood, people are like, oh, you know what would happen? You know, you know what we should do? Um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always fun <laughs> to throw that down. It is. You it know, is. one of the first things I remember about wine, I was a kid, and my grandmother, my, my grandparents had stayed in Europe for 10 years. He worked for Rockwell. And they they stay there until he retired. And they were in Switzerland 
for part of the time and then London. And um, so she told me when they came back, because they did a lot of dinner parties. It was the 70s, 60s and 70s, a lot of dinner parties. Um, and she said to me one day, she's like, do you know why you clink glasses when you say cheers? And I said, I don't. She's like, because it includes all five senses when you drink wine. I'll be darned. That's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. So that's that. why you clink glasses, because that's how you get the hearing of the wine. So you get the, the taste, the taste, well, the smell, cool. the sight, yeah, the touch, and then the, yeah. the hearing. Yeah, the sound. I knew about the, the, the swirl, the sniff, the swirl, mm-hmm. you swirl, sniff, swirl, where you look, you sniff, you swirl, you sniff again, yeah. and then you sip, and then you savor. Right. I knew about the S's, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't know about the clinking. That's interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so I always think about her whenever, it. you know, we cheers. You know, I, I think that's kind of a, yeah. a cool thing to remember someone by, you know, the little just everyday that is, thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter um, if it's just husband and me or if it's the family or whoever I'm with. If we have wine, the first sip, we always clink. Yeah. And just and sip. And if you clink and don't sip, people will say to you, hey, wait, you've got to sip. Yeah. <laughs> because it's bad luck yeah. if you clink and don't sip. So. Right. But we, he right. and I always, we always toast each other no matter what. So. Yeah. And, and you fun. know, why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. Because it's fun and it's cool. It is. Um, so we have about three minutes left. And um, what other products do you have other than the, uh, obviously, three books coming out? I mean, do you have any other little nuggets of something coming up in the next year or so, well, six months? Um, except for the baby contract coming out on the next week. That's pretty much it. Um, right. And writing, writing, writing. And I'm also a freelance copy editor. And so okay. I do copy editing for um, for a lot of different publishers. And um so I've always got that going, <laughs> and yeah. um, I'm, you know, we have we have the grand boy, and so there's, you know, lots of fun stuff always happening. Except that right now, not a lot's happening because we're all kind of inside. So yeah, but that's yeah. okay. It, you know, it's it's an yeah. opportunity to work and write, and that's how I've tried to see all this. It's just an opportunity. Um, and to stay healthy but, I mean, and safe and, you know. You also are giving people an escapism because, you know, I think so much right now people really need that moment to just say, I'm going to check out for an hour just yes, for the sanity. I think so, too. Va- value. And, that, mm-hmm. and my books are all about the checking out. <laughs> we are somewhere else entirely. And that's, that's great. Right. You know, as, uh, my sister Pam has always maintained that, you know, it's an Nan's place is a nice world, but there's nothing real about it. You know, Nan's world is not real, but it's okay. It's a nice place. And, you know, we're all happy here, so it's okay. It is okay. <laughs> I it think is. I think that's a good thing for us to provide. So Yes. I'm happy and to And I think sometimes, person. too, you know, I'll sit there and I'll go, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And um, when I, I have a friend of mine, I recommended some books to her, and it's, it was very – you know, just by, oh, well, yeah, sure, read these. And, and she writes to me later, and she's a certified nurse anesthetist, and she's, she wrote oh. to me and goes, thank you so much. Those books were just wonderful to read out completely something else um, to do. And I yeah. think, oh, yeah, okay. You know, I, mean, it's, it's, I think we, if we just all keep doing those little things every day, you know, it will, it will yeah. get us all through this. 
Yes, know, and we will. We pretty will. Pretty well. I don't have a moment's doubt. Um, you know, yeah. we just have to be, have to be patient and strong, and you know, and have faith. And yeah. so, and that's what keeps me writing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, keep doing it. That that and really good wine. <laughs> Those two things. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, throw some chocolate in there every once in a while. That'll be that'll kind of mix it up. <laughs> That is great advice. Yes, Actually, in the new absolutely. book I'm writing, she's she's going to do a little wine and chocolate event, so I'll okay. be glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yes, keep us posted. So if anybody wants I to sure find will. Nan, she, she is at nanreinhardt.com. She's also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Her latest book, The Baby Contract, comes out July 16th, so that is next week. Go ahead and pre-order, and it gives you just enough time to read the other three books in the series, so you're all caught up when you read it, but you can read it alone, but you would feel better about yourself if you read all four. So um, this has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Keep reading, everyone, and thank you again, Nan, for coming to see us. Thanks so much for having me, Patricia. It's been great to talk to you. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.